0: Three, two, one. And we are here. And, and we are here. Everybody, welcome to this episode of Rydog's Invisible Spectacle. My name is Rydog, but you can call me Ryan. Uh, we have no guests here today, but that's perfectly fine because I'm the host Okay, obviously I'm going to do a bang-up job. We have a long, and very interesting list of topics that we're going to be delving into, and we are recording in front of a live studio audience. Audience, give us a round of applause. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh my god. You guys are too kind. Yeah, so for today, we are going to be doing... Uh, we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian the last two episodes that have recently aired uh, in the past weeks since we did the last episode. And then we're going to be going into the Gina Carano controversy, and I'll explain what that is as we move on to the segment. Uh, we, uh, interestingly enough, are going to be endorsing Patty Jenkins uh, for being a standout human being, being for being awesome. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'll leave that segment uh, there until we arrive at it. And then um, we're going to be showing a couple of videos uh, that I found on Twitter. And for the last topic segment, we are going to be discussing Venezuela and Biden's stance on it. And I'll elaborate. I'm going to uh, uh, unfold the secrets, uh, the many hidden scandals that are in it. Okay, so here we go. We on the floor with it. I'm just kidding. That's uh, one of the foot workout videos that I follow. That's uh, he guy. The guy starts off by saying that. Uh, but The Mandalorian was um, a great. It's been a great show so far. Um, I, there's a lot that I want to get into. And just to clarify for everybody listening right now, um, actually, I, I, I before we get into The Mandalorian, I apologize. Um, I also want to mention that we've got a few surprises down the line. So there's going to be fun, fun giveaways, fun guests, fun episodes, uh, and and. F- fun merchandise uh, that will be coming later down the line as well um, okay so as we're getting into the Mandalorian I want to break up the uh, sub segments of of it um, we're gonna be talking about the first two episodes of course um, and then I'm going to do uh, my character analysis of the main character on uh, the Mando Din Djarin um, however you like to call him I like to I personally refer to him as Mando okay So, um, yeah, this was, uh, I'm gonna be doing just a review on and and giving my personal thoughts on Chapter 11 and Chapter 12. So, I guess there's, (laughs) there's a lot to uncover here, but, um, I guess the first thing that I'll say before talking about those two episodes is that it really, it's a show that's playing out like a video game, and... Um, I, I could honestly say that it probably would have been a little bit more popular that way because think about it there's side quests, there's a main story, the character gets upgrades, he gets a jetpack, he gets new armor, he gets a ch- he gets responsibility, and so it, it definitely plays out that way. Um, and maybe they will end up doing a video game sometime in the future, who knows? But, um, I guess when it comes to chapter eleven, uh, they brought in a character from Clone Wars, her name was Bogaton, and that actress actually was the same person that voiced the character, so that was that was pretty interesting. She has red hair, she she looks like her her character in the animated series, and so I thought that was interesting and there's a there's a pretty staunch comparison. Although I will say, uh, 30, 30 plus years have gone by since the Revenge of the Sith at this point in time. It's about around four or five years after Return of the Jedi. Um, and Bo-Katan still looks like she's 30 years old, exactly how she did 30 years ago. And so, you know, to me, that doesn't really make all that much sense because everybody has is supposed to have significantly aged, especially Obi-Wan, but that's just me. <laughs> I mean, he's aged. He he, aged from somebody that looked like he was in his mid 30s to an old man in less or a little bit more than 20 years around there. I don't have the timeline right in front of me, but I th- that's just it doesn't necessarily make all that much sense to me. So. Interestingly enough, Bocaton, um I won't get too much into the episode, but basically she drops Frog Lady... Mando drops Frog Lady off the planet. He goes, uh, and he does a little side quest mission for Bo-Katan so he can actually get some answers out of her. But, I guess, um, before I go on to my rant and and to my personal little qualm about that, um, there is, uh, I guess I guess it's not really a shoe-in from another show and and what I mean by that is you know they're they're doing they're bringing all these other characters from like other Star Wars properties and they're putting them into the Mandalorian and they're eh, they're making and they're trying to make the show more worthwhile they're trying to give some fan service and I get that and I I personally appreciate it but I I, I do understand that it can become a little bit too much um but I the the thing that I like about chapter 11 in particular is that I, it answered this burning question in my mind. And that question was, how would Mando actually react if he saw other Mandalorians take off their helmets? So I was like, well, would Mando, like, think they aren't legitimate? Because I, I had speculated in, in an earlier episode. I'm not sure if you all heard that. But I talk about um, how, how there are um, different creeds, different groups under the umbrella of the Mandalorians. And... It's safe to say that Boba Fett could even be a Mandalorian himself, but I won't get into that rabbit hole just yet, or at all, for this episode at least. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. And, and um, you know, right away I knew like these characters, even before the lady took off her helmet, I, I knew these characters had to be from another Star Wars property, but I I just thought that was interesting. But the thing that kind of bothered me was at the end, at the end of the episode... Um, Ahsoka Tano was revealed uh, to have been alive and to have been in another remote location somewhere in the Star Wars universe, and now Mando has to go and and find her um, and maybe even drop the kid off with Ahsoka. But the thing that bothers me about that is, yeah, Ahsoka's cool, and yes, everybody was was going wild and, and getting hammered, drunk, Whatever, excited for their, her reappearance, but the problem with that is that Luke is already a widely credible, widely established Jedi in this in in this universe at this point in time, and he's been and he's known for taking down the Empire. He took down Death, the Death Star. He's defeated Darth Vader, and so, you know, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker. They've always they, they just built him up as this idol. They've built him up as as this figurehead of the Jedi, and so that's he who she he should automatically turn to. And Ahsoka's a gray Jedi. I mean, not many people know of her existence. I mean, there's only a few. I mean, I haven't seen the Rebels show. I've seen the Clone Wars one, but there's only there's there's a, a few select individuals that know about her existence. And Bo Katan, that makes sense. There's a connection there, and but it just it would it would have been better if it was luke um and i'm not sure how they could necessarily do that right i mean they how would they bring back mark hamill would they cgi his face they they, are, they do have the technology to do that they would make him look younger they can bring in another another actor there could be something right i mean and they may even have plans to do that um but it i think it just makes more sense to bring in luke um, but from Bogdan, like it does make sense for her to mention Ahsoka instead of instead of Luke. Um, anyways, that just that just kind of bothered me, and I'm I'm kind of if for somebody that knows so much about you know other cultures and other people, he knows uh he he knows how to communicate with the Tusken Raiders. He like he has to know about the Jedi. He didn't know about the Jedi until the end of the first season of The Mandalorian. She goes, well, they're mystical warriors and they can whip out these lightsabers out of their dickholes. But he should know about this. I mean, he's he's very he's able to put a spaceship back together. He's able to communicate in almost any different language. And you and you're telling me that he doesn't know what a fucking Jedi is. (laughs) Okay, okay. And he doesn't know who Luke is. The person, the, the the sole reason why the Empire was able to go down the way that it did. Just does not make any fucking sense. For somebody that was, is just so in, in love with this universe and, and has a deep, I mean, I I want to personally say that I have a deep appreciation for these characters. So, I mean, you can understand why I get so heated about these sort of things. Anyways, so that was chapter, let's see, 11, and so we come to chapter 12, and this one was interesting because it was directed by Carl Weathers, and it made references and Easter eggs, and, you know, you had very cute moments with the the child, Baby Yoda, and it was cool, right? Uh, Yeah. I guess the first thing that I want to talk about, well, before I talk about that, let me just say. The action was spectacular. I think it's... It, it. The show... So far this season... Has... You know... Gone to... In certain lengths... To show that... They, they don't care about... Like the... The... The Disney hegemony. Okay? They, they're they willing to take risks. They're willing to show... That people can die... In, in the most brutal... And, and disgusting ways possible. And even in, in a Star Wars show. So... I guess that's what they've been able to show in in the first four season, the, the first four episodes of the season thus far so I, I found i found that pretty interesting but let's get into the good stuff cloning they're doing cloning yeah this is definitely an easter egg to the rise of skywalker and um i was actually talking with a buddy of mine and she uh she hasn't seen rise of skywalker she's seen all the other movies but she's seen She's seen, uh, you know, the, the Mandalorian, and her friend actually told her not to watch this this episode because there were potential spoilers for the Mandalorian. I mean, Rise of Skywalker, and I told her, look, I think it this this properly builds up to a to that movie, so and it'll give you a neat, a unique perspective for somebody that is building an appreciation for this series. I'm rambling on a little bit, but. But the cloning in particular, I think at this point in time, um, I'm not, I, I want to recall the, the, the information that I have regarding this. I don't think they're, they're making clones out of Snoke, out of Palpatine. They're, okay, they're not, they're not copy they are copying his DNA, but they're, they're trying to put, I guess, the midichlorians into another human being. And the, and that's supposed to be the father of Ray okay because uh you know as we all know um the star wars universe in some capacity had confirmed that palpy palpatine had not clapped any cheeks he actually cloned another human being that was supposed to be his son and the spawn and his spawn his son defied him and they hid ray and so that's why she was deserted on that planet for so many years and that's and then she runs into the Empire, uh, or the First Order, rather, and then that's how um, they, it spirals into another trilogy. But, uh, yeah, I think it, it, from what we've seen so far, it doesn't look like they're cloning Snoke. It looks like they're cloning um, somebody that's genetically related to Palpatine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's all I have to say regarding that. Everything is getting so mumbled and so connected. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's like a double-edged sword, but um, there's crossovers, there's spin-offs, there's sequels. I mean, it's it's becoming the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I I think it's cool because you know crossovers have always existed, especially in comic books. They've been around for decades and on end. I mean, people love that stuff. So I guess from seeing their favorite characters together does more good than harm but yeah i i really like how the south park and and the boys especially have uh, have both satirized the idea of sequels I, I just think that's hilarious and especially the way that they did it okay so now i am uh, i'm actually going to go ahead and, and talk about um the main character himself dinjarin and I think I have a few things to say about him. Um, because let me just start by saying this was not an interesting premise at first. You know, right from the beginning, you knew that Disney was funding millions upon millions of dollars into this brand new show. You knew that they were going to have a character that looked a lot like Baby Yoda. But i, I that was it. I mean, I think... We were all willing to give that first episode a chance and then see where this story could go. And then once Baby Yoda was revealed, you know, it's it's like, okay, wow, this is... We have never seen another character besides, you know, this this uh, other cousin that they had, that had featured in, in The Phantom Menace. Probably... Before this point, they had never shown, they had never focused on another character that looked like Yoda. And they do now. And it happens to be 50 years old, and it's still a baby. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. But then, well, the age is kind of weird because Yoda died at 900 years old. And so, this baby is 50. When would he turn into an infant? when would he be when he turned into like an actual child? so those those questions start they, they, those questions start popping up in your head. But um what's interesting about that is there's a when Mandalor when the Mandalorian takes him and and looks after him and and decides to, you know, take him away from the empire. There's an immediate immediate vulnerability added to the Mandalorian and his character. You know, you automatically empathize with him, and and this character who's so alone and so stubborn, so stubborn, but yet so skilled and stuck in his ways. You know, you just relate to him. There's a, there's a there's a subtlety in his voice that that brings weight and emotion, and it's it's just beautiful. And in the fourth episode of the first season, you you see. How he could have a peaceful life, but he chooses not to. He does not want it to be taken away from him, and that and that sort of plays into why he's so overprotective of the child. But you, he's he's coming across this woman, and uh, and she's about to take off his helmet until the entire village is shot up, and then they have to defend themselves. But it's a reminder, and I'll, I'll explain him what that is. But but we want all the things he, we want for him to have all the things that we want in our life the things that really matter and what is that serenity and love affection we want a partner at least th- th- that's why i love this character so much because he's he's living his own life and in a way he is there is some thrill but thrill is is definitely different from happiness but if he chooses love over thrill like he's he definitely has to sacrifice one over the other and and in a way you can say that in the in his current state he is living a life of serenity with the child i mean he he definitely prefers this over over what the status quo over his own original being and i think that's what's so interesting about it but but sing but it delves into, the, this first season delves into his character in an interesting way because it shows that, you know, he was he was fearful of, of the Separatists in the Clone Wars era. And he was fearful of his parents, and his parents were ter- taken away from him. They did the best that they could to protect him, but it meant nothing. They died. And he was about to die until he was saved by a Mandalorian, and so this is the only thing that he could put his trust in. That has to make some sense. You know, so the he just does n- he's does not want to have anybody in his life that he could depend on or that he could be interdependent with us as, as Stephen Covey l- likes to say because he he's afraid of losing them and the, and and while this child is bringing him happiness and 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 some level of comfort into his life, something that he could look after he just does not he he knows that. His time with them is very limited and he has to get away from it as quickly as possible because this person brings danger into his life. He cycles back into what his childhood brought him. He does not he does not want to live a life of leisure, of comfort, of of true serenity even though he's capable of it. He's very capable. He's very capable of of finding a love interest, but he chooses not to because it's dangerous. He chooses thrill over happiness. That's so. I think that's what's so beautiful about that character. Show's good. The show's good so far. It plays out like a, a video game. There's some classic storytelling. Um, he is—he's he, a lot like a cowboy. That's skilled and um, in languages, and and he's and he's uh, and he's an engineer. He's able to put these things back together, broken things. But you know, I think the only thing that I have to say. And the only thing left, the only thing that there is to say is that I hope Kathleen Kennedy, corporate interests over at Disney and Lucasfilm do not ruin the series with a bunch of crossovers and spinoffs. I think we are very, the market and especially within the, within the entertainment industry is oversaturated with that. They're too focused on making all these connections. Connections are great, but do it responsibly. Anyways, that is the last segment of uh. Well, that is the uh, end of the first segment. We are going to move on to the Gina Carano controversy, which is which is definitely related to the Mandalorian, um, and we will cover that when we return. Three, two, one, and we are back. With Rydog, just myself. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Alrighty. Um, so we have a pretty interesting segment regarding Gina Carano. Uh, for those of you that don't know, she is uh, one of the actresses on the the show Mandalorian. Uh, she plays she's the uh, she's the bigger lady. Uh, she was in the season finale of the first. Se- season yeah I uh I don't remember her character name but I know the actress and I know about all the fire that she's been under recently it's just been crazy y'all um so this uh just to provide a little bit of a trigger warning for all of you out there this is something that's going to be controversial something that has to do a lot with cancel culture Um, So if you do not want to listen to this segment or what I have to say, just skip it um, because my thoughts, I hate to tell you, are pretty brutal. I I don't like how any of this turned out for the actress at all. I don't like the toxicity in the community. I'm I'm going to speak out against it and rush to her defense. So let me just start by showing and telling you what she said. I'm going to go ahead and uh, tell you... Um, Some of the recent things that she's done. So there is a recent Twitter post um, that shows people putting face masks over their eyes. And she goes, Democratic government leaders now recommend we all wear blindfolds along with masks so we can't see what's really going on. So she's just making fun of government regulations and whatever. It's fine. And. Uh, a lot of people a lot of hateful people are going on on her TL and uh and they're really criticizing her they're there so one of them is saying whoa Gina this is extremely ex- irresponsible if you are referring to the election there is no proof of any fraud if you uh are referring to mask wearing we should be doing that and if we all did it we would be able to go outside sooner so whatever right she has political beliefs that are less popular you know and people are giving her shit for it that's understandable that's fine but we shouldn't cancel her but that's not the only thing that she said or or did so let me just give you the other highlights um so there uh (laughs) she this this is actually kind of funny and keep in mind i have had discussions with with people about this um I, I do know why people put choose to put their pronouns on their Twitter bio, and, and in fact, I'm going to be covering uh, my thoughts on it as well. I, it's a little bit of a sensitive topic, so if you're not here with it, if you're not jiggy with it, you don't have to stick around. That's fine. I get it. But she uh, instead of putting her own pronouns, uh, she puts beep boop pop, <coughs> uh, or beep boop boop. Um, as their pronouns and uh, and you know people lost their shit um, so they thought they were being she was being dismissive towards the transgender community uh, LGBTQIA etc and etc but I just think it's just a load of bullshit you know um, obviously I know the reason why people put their pronouns it's to signal to other transgender people that um they are an ally they stand with them they are not against them i can i completely sympathize with um with the reasons why they choose to do that and this not only applies to the to that community in particular but i've i've had a discussion with undocumented folks where they choose uh, to put the butterfly on their profile or some professors at colleges college and universities will um put butterflies on their um on their email signatures, just to signal to the students that they are are with the undocumented students, they are not against them, um, and 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 so you know there there is a reason for that. But the thing that I stand against is is people forcing uh, or expecting you to do it, and I just don't take it as a sign of credibility. And I hope it our culture does not head that way. I hope. You know, we are not in a position 10 to 15 years down the line where we expect everybody to put their pronouns on their profile because they just think that's a load of malarkey. We don't need to do that. You can obviously, I hope you can tell that I'm a male. I, you know, I have a penis, okay, and I use it, all right? Um. <clears throat> but... Um, yeah so she she got some backlash and uh, let me just go ahead and read what an activist um, had had to say on Vanity Fair so this person was named Rebecca Rebecca Green and I could say it because she went public with it Um, I looked her up on so funny enough Vanity Fair will pull up her name but they don't mention who she is she just it just says blogger activist but it really doesn't specify like what she's done or anything like that so I don't know it just it just goes to show you what Vanity Fair is is doing um, they're just shooting themselves in the foot by not giving themselves any credibility but let me just okay so the article says Rebecca Green feels some conflict here pronouns are personal she wrote before I came out I didn't list mine because I was faced with being outed or with presenting it another lie I don't think folks should be pressured to to include their pronouns so much as encouraged in a general way so I I agree with you there Rebecca green but that's not that's not all she said she so she says chrono's reaction to the pressure however did not sit well with green That's, that's the article so Rebecca Green, it's surprising to me that Corano doesn't recognize the vast gulf of privilege that separates her from the average trans person, and the way her remarks play into that gulf by punching down at trans folks. You know, she obviously sees sees things differently, right? Like she's not punching down at trans people. She's merely playing up the fact that we're we're building this expectation of everybody, and it's. Like I said before, I know I'm sounding redundant at this point, but just bear with me. It's getting a little too excessive. I, I know. I know why people do it, and it's a good reason. People do it in good faith, but sometimes, like comedians and and people that have spoken out about this issue before, have said it's just another meaningless gesture. I know. I know Kamala Harris has has gone out and she put her pronouns on there. And there was a popular retweet where this person goes, Hey, the vice president-elect is putting her pronouns on their Twitter profile, so why aren't you? Because it just doesn't mean anything. Like, what has what that person ever done for the transgender community besides putting their pronouns on it? I mean, who's to say that she's with the transgender community? She's probably locked up more, more of them than we can count. So that's, that's just my own personal belief. I don't think that we should expect this from everybody. I, I, It could go that way, but not necessarily, right? Anyways. But Gina Carano should be left alone. She obviously meant it as a joke. Um, she's, I think she's just more or less making fun of the left. Um, but that wasn't the only thing that she got uh, outed for so let me uh, go ahead and tell you what else she's done in in recent times Um, she recently joined the parlor application um, known for hosting conservative voices conservative um, conservative groups uh, because of course those people see Twitter and Facebook and other mainstream social media platforms as being in favor of the left and of course there's so many controversies surrounding that but I'm not going to get into it but she joined it and she's like hey you know in a recent tweet she goes hey uh, this is my username I maybe all of you can follow me maybe 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 all of you can just hear what I have to say I'm just an actress in Hollywood I'm just trying to get by okay this is another thing that I want to get into Actors, actresses, are not politicians. We shouldn't expect them to have the same belief system as we do. Now, I know for all of you watching The Mandalorian out there, you're not going to look at the show the same way. You're all, you're probably going to think, wow, she's a, a right-wing, trans-bashing, hater, conservative out there. And, and we don't want her on our TV show, our beloved TV show where we have this beloved Baby Yoda character that I just want to squeeze the shit out of. I think I'm getting a little bit too emotional here, but it's, it's nothing to get riled up over. It's nothing to, it's generally toxic to be a keyboard warrior. Why why are we idolizing these people that have nothing better to do than to sit on their fat ass and to just look up um, all of these controversies that are happening around the world and then criticize and to just constantly criticize and do nothing but. That's wrong. And it's useless. I mean, there's it's not, it's not a healthy discussion that we're having here, guys. And I'd be glad to have people on my show that can tell me otherwise. I'd love to have a conversation with them. I'd love to get into their psyche. But bashing someone for their political beliefs who's not in office and is just an actor? What are we doing here? This is stupid. This is... It just doesn't seem right. That's all. Anyways. We are, uh... So, on a much lighter, much happier note, uh, this podcast would actually like to endorse Patty Jenkins for being none other than a spectacular human being who decided to release Wonder Woman 84 a little bit earlier than expected. I know that uh, she wanted to do, or her and the studio wanted to delay it a couple years in the future. But as the producer, director, and writer of Wonder Woman 84, she decided to um, release it um, and slate it for this December. And it's going to be premiering on HBO Max for about a month. And it's also going to be uh, premiering in select theaters around the country. And I'm guessing around the world. So we're very excited about that. And, uh, and she came out with a statement recently that I want to read to all of you, so I'm going to go ahead and, and look over at my bookmarks. So she says, The time has come. At some point, you have to choose to share any love and joy you have to give or ever everything else. We love our movie as we love our fans. So we truly hope that our film brings a little bit of joy and reprieve to all of you this holiday season. Watch it in theaters. Where it is made safe to do so, check out the great work theaters have done to make it so, and available in the safety of your own home on HBO Max where it is not. Ho- Happy holidays to all of you. We hope you enjoy our film as much as we enjoyed making it. Signed, Patty Jenkins. P.S. Ryan is my lover. God, I think about him every night. Okay, I'm going to gonna save that. God. God. Um. She's gonna. Sorry, guys, we're dating. She's gonna get me. Uh, I'm gonna get in trouble for sharing that, but it is what it is. Okay. Yeah, I I I really respect her for saying that, but um, I haven't seen any either. The uh, first Wonder Woman movie that came out, but that isn't the only reason why I wanted to bring her up. I think there was a, a there was um, a really. Great uh, statement that she came out with earlier this year and I'm gonna share it with all of you in a moment but uh, I want to point out the fact that uh, she is a very credible spokesperson on uh, for the studio so let me just get into what she's so what she said in a few months that I wanted to share with you Um, I feel so she goes uh, and she's she's talking about feminism in the industry. So she says, I feel like one of the most ironically sexist things that happened to women heroes for so long was that they had universal storytelling taken away from them. Jenkins explained. This is from comicbook.com. They cover all things comic books. Comic book related news and stuff like that. Um, so she goes on to say, so male car- male superheroes could have Lois Lane, they can have love, they can have vulnerability, they can have complexity. But women superheroes or strong women characters had to be, I don't need anyone. I'm the toughest toughest person in the world. That's not fair to anybody. No human being is an island like that. Well, Patty Jenkins, you can you could do so many characters justice if you play them out like they are islands, or, or at least they, their egos are. Like uh, Punisher or uh or the mandalorian but i'm not bashing you for it i i, I definitely agree with you there patty my girlfriend my lover <clears throat> um yeah no I, I i definitely agree i didn't i think for, for that reason alone i didn't like captain marvel because there she was too stoic non-relatable and she wasn't very interesting not very captivating as a as a person or a superhero. Her powers are very generic. She just has energy blasts and then she could fly. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that cool. And I didn't see Wonder Woman it because the first one I wasn't that into DC, but I respect DC now for coming up with coming out with all these amazing movies and amazing television shows. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they have, especially the Batman with Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson. That's gonna be a killer that's going to be a killer so with respect to patty jenkins we'd like to endorse her we'd like to have her on our show and uh yeah uh for those reasons alone i'm probably going to watch the first two wonder woman movies and that is all i want to say on patty jenkins um yeah so uh for the next two things that i want to cover uh, for the rest of the podcast we are going to be talking about Venezuela, but before that, we'll show an embarrassing video of Rudy Giuliani. Uh, I found it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just wait and see. All right, everybody, we are going to be right back, um, and uh, please enjoy our next sound clip of clapping when we return. Three, two, one, and we are back with ourselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. righty, everybody. Uh, so we are going to be moving on to a video with uh, Rudy Giuliani, who uh, made a fool of himself on, on live TV, and I'm pretty sure most of you know what I'm talking about. So let me go ahead and play the video for you. It's um, So how it's going to play out is uh, you won't be able to see it visually, but I'll describe to you what's basically going on it's just Rudy Giuliani standing on the left of this uh of one of Trump's litigators in a press conference and uh and the guy in the video is describing what Rudy Giuliani is doing it's it's pretty disgusting so uh I'll just show you yo yo watch my man's over here (laughs) yo takes out the handkerchief blowing his nose Takes it booger side in, smears his hands all over it, yeah. wipes it into his lips, all over his face. Son, he's wiping snot all over his face, smearing his hands into it. Looks like shit, bro. And he's gonna touch God. the podium. Imagine. <laughs> taking shit from half of the country and then taking shit from your own boss and then (laughs) your litigators are just a bunch of lunatics that are zealously religious and yeah oh god he's probably the same thing I don't know anything quite honestly I don't know anything about Rudy Giuliani but I, I think he's a nut let me play the original video of uh Trump's litigator sydney powell who came out with the statement she just she looks like she's barely keeping it together but i'm going to go ahead and show you this was a video released by uh, the gop's official twitter account and i actually found it because i follow mark hamill and he had retweeted it and had said something along with it but let me get, just go ahead and show it to you before i, I read what he said all right all right i can even imagine for people in this country to have participated in in any way shape or form and I want the American public to know right now that we will not be intimidated American patriots are fed up with the corruption from the local level to the highest level of our government and we are it it looks like they can't even accept reality so yeah she says we will not be intimidated we are going to clean this mess up right now president trump won by a landslide and kaylee mckinney even came out with the with the press conference meeting and uh and she tells reporters well it's it's being litigated right now so we don't know who the real winner is and basically we all know but they just can't accept the outcome They they Trump just has this huge ego and it can't be it can't it cannot be blown to smithereens and, and even at the press conference she was saying well the Obamas and and the media treated him so badly and in, in the, the last transition of power so how do you expect us to act by doing your duty <laughs> idiot yeah so Mark Hamill he's like president trump won by a landslide we are going to prove it he said that in quotation marks but due to lack of evidence and 31 losses in court so far how about a load of widely debunked conspiracy theories designed to poison america's trust in our elections and a reenactment of a scene from my cousin Benny instead i haven't i haven't seen i have not seen my cousin Benny. but yeah these uh this is a whole shit show that's happening at the white house right now and uh God, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how Trump is going to react when he when he finds out like there is no other alternative to conceding. Oh, that's just going to be a glorious day for all of us. I bet you he's not even going to wear his orange tan. He's just going to be, look moody, depressed. He's not going to be looking like him, his old self. He's just going to be totally degraded all that filth and angst that he's been holding this whole time is just going to come out in like a press interview and it's going to be a total disaster and everybody's going to love it god this is all historical and people don't even realize that like i i tweeted when everybody found out that biden became the vice president elect and i had said boom we hit a home run boys like that my t- my tweet is historical that's crazy people are going to be looking at this uh, at Twitter 30 years down the line and they're going to look back and they and they're going to say wow this was America at the time how often can we say that that's going to be a new thing this was America at the time This we can really evaluate what people were thinking back then and all these books and all these uh, like audiobooks it's so easier to to retain and and grasp all uh, into all this information and and by that logic maybe we can even learn from our history because it's right there it's in it's in condensed information it's in twitter twitter is history it's going to be history it's already it already is history it's been around since like 2009 anyways that was my whole spiel with rudy giuliani and the trump goons but uh yeah, it's it just looks like it's going to be a disaster. Ooh, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait till he leaves office uh, and then we just get to rub shit in all those Trump supporters' faces like Jake was saying in the last episode. That was it's going to be a doozy. Anyways, uh that's not going to be the last segment for our t- for today's episode. Uh, I actually wanted to go into Venezuela because I did quite um quite a bit of research regarding that, but first I'll tell you how I got into it, so uh, I go on Twitter and I'm looking at all these tweets, okay, like the usual day, okay, I, I rely on Twitter, it seems like I go on Twitter a lot, but on average, I probably spend about like an hour and a half a day as opposed to like three hours compared to everybody else, you know, I try to limit my time with it, as much as possible. But sometimes, I, admittedly, I will go overboard. Quarantine, guys. Quarantine. So, I find this thread. And it's from a person, a spokesperson named Alexis Isabel. And I, go, if we go to her, this is a, a Twitter user. And she goes by Alexis Isabel. She's a verified account. Or they're a, uh, a Twitter. They're, they are... A verified account because apparently her pronouns are they and them um so i'm looking at it right now and she says she's an anti that she's an anti-imperialist social work social worker revolutionary socialist organizer so you know where she's coming from right she's uh she comes from uh progressive ideology and there there is a little bit of a distinction between progressive uh progressives and, and socialism but I'm not going to delve into it in this podcast. So, she she tweets and this was I I actually find it through somebody that I personally follow. So, she says this. Uh and she gained quite she didn't gain that much of a of a following or a much of a response. She got 2000 retweets and 4000 likes and 183 quote tweets. <clears throat> But she had this to say and i i can bet your asses that there's a lot of threads like this going around just giving like all this information on various candidates including aoc and and so there's a lot of stuff like this and i wanted to look deeper into at least one of the issues that she's bringing up in this thread but she's talking about biden here and why he is a lackey to corporate interests I think so too. I don't have I don't dispute her on that note, but she says this. This is the first tweet that that comes up in the thread. She goes, "Since it seems that many people can only make vague references to Joe Biden's mistakes and seems and seem to lack a full understanding of his record, let's take a look at some of the allegations and crimes of the president elect." Crimes. Yikes. So you can already tell that, you know, she's taking this type of of a position where, you know, he's lo- she's looking at one of his misdeeds and it's not exactly a crime but you know she's exaggerating it to make him seem like he's a villain but maybe maybe he is okay so there was a sexual assault case with Tara Reed uh that's the first thing that she brings up i looked into that it uh, and, 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 and i think it took place in 1992 she even confirmed it here and it, it, Wikipedia is not even that much of a credible source, but it, it says that there, she didn't, um, there, was a, there was a little bit of a hole in her story and she didn't follow through and explain what it was, but uh, she went on record and she discredited herself somehow. But that that's the first thing that she brings up. There's like 14 or like, or there are 10, Ten different instances on why Biden is not necessarily the most ideal president-elect at this point in time. Okay, so you know, t- touching women, uh, supporting the Iraq War, being uh, one of the people, one of the few senators that was seriously devoted into leading us into the war. So that was on, that's definitely on his track record. Uh, there's another instance where. Uh, he drafted and he funded the 1994 prison bill crime bill which led to the incarceration of many african americans i'm I'm actually reading a book right now called the new jim crow it's very interesting but it talks about like how america has built a caste system out of uh, our prison and and our criminal justice system and i think biden has had Uh, an extreme role in in making that happen and making it possible. So that was, so obviously a lot of people know about that. And and then his stance on Palestine. I I think Palestine is too much of a complicated issue for me to get into at this point. Um, I probably will talk about it at some point during the show, but yeah, that just takes quite an extensive amount of research and it, and it deserves justice. And I, I know that there are, are usually conservatives that are, are in favor of Israel and people that are in favor of Palestine. There's like h- numerous uh, humanitarian issues that are that are happening in, in that area and in that nation state. But we're not going to get into it. He's very wishy-washy on LGBT plus issues. Oof. Yeah, Uh, I think he. Yeah, Uh, let's let's continue. Okay, so this is the one that I wanted to talk about with everybody. Venezuela, Venezuela. So she says, Venezuela, Biden unequivocally supports the white rich Venezuelan opposition and elected Guaido over the democratically elected President Maduro. His language resembles a history of the U.S. weaponizing democracy to justify intervention motivated by financial interest. Hmm interesting oh god <clears throat> okay so i'm only gonna she she references one of the tweets that he made in the past actually uh this past summer so joe biden goes on record and he says as juan Guaido speaks about the Venez- venezuelan humanitarian crisis and the crimes against humanity pepper- uh, perpetrated By Maduro, I reaffirm my commitment to stand with the Venezuelan people. A Biden-Harris administration will always champion democracy and human rights around the world. So he's throwing a blanket statement. That's fine. I can already see that. So she says, this is the last thing that she says regarding Biden and Venezuela. Regardless of what you think or know about Venezuela, Maduro was democratically elected in internationally monitored and fair elections. His real sin to the state's And to Joe Biden is trying to liberate his country from the strains of capitalism and imperialism. Wow. So there's a bunch of information that she she's she shares here. Um, Lackeys of Biden might tell her otherwise, might tell her just. Make an effort into disproving her point. And I didn't know. I didn't I don't know. I didn't before when i when i first saw this tweet i didn't know anything about venezuela i i i know that people call it a failed socialist state i've actually witnessed arguments about it in mexican restaurants that i visited my friends that i've had in college have gotten so pissed off about it it's it's crazy but um you know i i personally did not know anything about it admittedly i'm a political science student i know but i have my fault guys i'm human leave me alone. All right. So, um so you might be asking yourself or you might be asking me, Ryan, why are you so interested in this this is just another issue. What does this have to do with anything? I'll tell you. I I'm going to make a bigger point by by the time I'm done talking about Venezuela. I am going to confirm if Joe Biden and the US government are acting in the best interests of Venezuela. Or their own corporate interests and the answer seems pretty obvious but it's a little bit more nuanced than that this girl even they even say that uh, regardless of what you think or know about Venezuela Maduro was democratically elected and I will confirm that actually happened and I will reaffirm her statement uh, later down the line during this segment but there's there's a lot to unpack here and let me just say this has so much detail complex complexity nuance and you know there's a whole slew of things that are happening in the in this particular issue with venezuela that i can't bog down not everything at least i'm just going to give you the simple version i'm going to give you the i am going to give you the 20 dollars, the 1999 $19.99 version from Walmart, and that's the best that I could do, but I'm going to make a point in all of this. Okay, so here we go. We're going to provide some context. So, um, as you all know, in... I'm looking at my notes here. Okay, in the 19... So, just so you all know, give you giving you some context, Venezuela was actually a founding member of the organization known as OPEC Ryan what is OPEC well I'm gonna tell you OPEC is the organization of the petroleum exporting countries so when they discovered their own oil uh, they joined in other foreign countries and they made an allegiance and they uh, they exported it and that was a huge source of their revenue and so they were they were a very prominent figure in Latin America up until the 1980s it was a very uh, very prominent country in oil manufacturing and exporting uh, but unfortunately there was a global recession that hit in the 1980s and there were sharply weaker oil processes. and so I think at that point we had reached peak oil this was international this problem was widespread it just it did not just apply to Venezuela but I'll go ahead and continue. So, in the nineteen, in the early two thousands, when uh, this problem was getting worse, Hugo Chavez stepped in and he promised promised so many different uh, social reforms to its citizens that had previously been taken away from them. And he was in favor of socialist policies. He was a, he was anti imperialist, and uh, so the electorate at the time was very much in favor of Hugo Chavez. And so. Um, The US didn't like that. They actually funded an opposition group to stage a coup and they took Hugo Chavez out of office and they, they, and uh, the opposition groups took him to the capital of Venezuela, which is known as Caracas and Caracas. uh, The citizens of Caracas actually were able to undo the harm that the opposition groups had imposed on Chavez and they, and they put him back into office and he further opposed U.S. interests, their um, what they wanted to do with their oil. He did not want to. He was strongly against the idea of having figureheads that were heavily influenced by the U.S. to be in control of their office. And we've seen the story many times. We know we, we know what that's uh, that's happened with Gaddafi in Libya and Saddam Hussein and. Bas um, Assad in in Syria, so you know um, the U S has been wanting to take these leaders out for their own interests. We know that, and I'm just confirming your 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 initial speculation on what this situation is. But let, that's the story does not just end there. Okay, so he brought all these socialist reforms in Venezuela. And and then he dies of cancer in two thousand thirteen, and he's per, and he's replaced by Maduro, who is also anti-imperialist, and and he's also he also believes in social reforms, and so he 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 tries, and he fails to deliver on some of his promises. So I'm gonna go in depth about that right now. Okay, so I'm, here are the list of reasons for Venezuela's current state. So. Let me just point out that the Maduro administration is only partly responsible for the crisis in Venezuela. Uh, the revenue in the oil industry has declined because of ongoing sanctions and the lack of investment and the drilling activity that the administration um, was, was failing to do. So ongoing sanctions that were coming from the, um, the international community, but I'll explain what that is before. By the way, they... This country also relied at, at one point in time on the International Monetary Fund. Um, they did this while they were in debt. They, were, they did this while they were suffering in a recession. So they've gone to that. And uh, the international community, which the U.S. has a heavy role to play in, has sanctioned against them. So it's not just Maduro that has, has failed his people. So let me let me continue. I'll also point out the fact that it did not make any efforts or it's sustainable effort in diversifying their economy. Well, Ryan, you're throwing all this mumbo jumbo at us. what do you mean? Diversifying the economy is basically building uh, expenditure and making sure that, you know, you're able to get revenue from all these different sources. Right. It's just it's very simple. Um, so. It's speculated. And it, OK. It turns out, and it is speculated, that Maduro's regime and its supporters have looted billions of dollars of state funds for their own benefit. Um, so, Venezuela's crisis is magnified. Oh. Yeah. Um, they, they definitely did that for own, their own benefit. So, there is rampant corruption that, that is happening within the state. Um, there have been um, some issues that have been cited from against the uh, maduro administration and what it's done to its people let me continue there's another reason why it's uh the current state is is like this venezuela's crisis is magnified by strict u.s sanctions as, as i've mentioned before uh, but these have cut caracas off from global financial and energy markets preventing maduro's regime from obtaining credit and selling venezuelan crude um, so this is uh from an article On the website called Counterprice, counterprice Counterprice.org. It's an activist organization, and I'll list the rest of of the sources that I've gathered this information from by the end of the segment. So, the fact is, um, okay. So, just to give you a bit more context, um, in the early two thousands, when Hugo Chavez was in office, there was a very popular uh, figure that that the U S favored above all else, They they actually had him as the model politician in place. Um, So his name was uh, Bolsonaro and he's from the country of Brazil. So this is also another piece from Counterprice And they, they go on to say the fact is um, both Bolsonaro is exactly what the U S is looking to install in Venezuela. Someone who would, Close the final curtain on Chismis, Chavismo, and Chavismo was a term, the coined term, that they used to refer to the um, the Marxist agenda that's been that's that's going on in that country. Um, as they like to label it, so someone who would help the oligarchy get richer, selling the nation's resources to transnational corporations. If the U.S. W- was indeed concerned with humanitarian relief, they would lift the sanctions, which would have already lost uh, six billion bolivar. their current that's a current currency uh, since 2017 actually that's that's another thing that I had on my list that's unrelated to the the thing that that I had previously mentioned but it's pretty much why Venezuela is at the state that it's in right now and the last thing that I mentioned about Bolsonaro they want somebody that has aligned interests okay let's go into Biden's statement so Um, Maduro in 2018 had gained 68 percent of the popular vote and there were international organizations that 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 had participated in observing and safeguarding the election results so you know it was the former former president Jimmy Carter had monitored the election process in Venezuela and he says it was one of the best in the world he had an organization there to safeguard Process and and he says by contrast, the U.S. he said is one of the worst, one of the worst in terms of handling its its own elections, and so Biden. Biden with this statement, had claimed that uh, Maduro was not democratically elected and he should he he should be replaced by. Their true. Their true uh, president Guaido. So that's basically the rundown of, of of Venezuela, their current situation. And you might be thinking to yourself, Ryan, why does it matter? Why are you telling us this? I don't want anyone to feel complacent with Biden. There's an ideological battle happening around the world that the U.S. is currently worried about. Every, almost every other industrialized country around the world has universal health care. There's a trend going around, and if these states are facing a wave of reform of justice for its citizens, of, of, of a, if they if they adapt a system that's fitting to their needs, and these people come over here, they notice all of the flaws, they realize that in our system, and they and they vote for it. Then that's a problem, because that that acts in in the best that acts against the best interests of the United States. So there there lies the problem. So, Biden is worth nine million dollars. He definitely has an incentive to um, to speak against Venezuela. He does have corporate interests there. Uh, he's definitely in favor of oil, um, because, as it turns out, he mentioned Guaido is a, is truly is a true legitimate president, and he wouldn't be saying that if he didn't have interest over there. So, that basically wraps up what I have to say. Um, don't be complacent with him; he's lying through his fingers. That's all. Um, he has a track record for for not giving a shit about about people okay he he doesn't necessarily care about his upbringing in scranton pennsylvania uh, in fact money can change that money can sway the person the individual from community need, community t- needs to their own self interest i think that's the point that i'm trying to make i think there there's there's a problem that runs deeper than Biden, it's just about money. It's just about business, and quite frankly, that's how I see the world. There's there, there are legitimate criticisms to point against Maduro, but Venezuela is not something that the U.S. should be interested in. He was dem- Maduro was democratically elected. Biden knows that, but Biden is more concerned for oil and it's it's funny too because he's the one that 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 is suggesting that we should eventually move away from oil that we should that we should invest in solar panels but but obviously this this is a multi-billion dollar industry and they got i mean they're big donors to his campaign so what do you want me to say i'm just giving you the truth that concludes the segment and uh yeah it was uh it was pretty fun talking about it if you guys have any more questions you can shoot me a dm and uh i will gladly respond i will gladly clarify some of the sentiments that i shared on the show this was a doozy this was a wild one like always but i'm glad that you were able to join me in today's podcast and i hope to see you next time I wish we can kick it off with a with a guitar contest. The air guitar contest with, with uh with cool noises, but I had I have no guests. So we're gonna kick it off with with uh the slap ass contest. No, no, I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna end it right here. Okay, everybody. Um peace out and uh wait for our next episode in about two weeks from now, and we hope to see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye.